Chau. Alvaro. Yes, hello. Hi, okay, we're recording now. So, um, all right, you, as you pointed out before, you are the first non-native English-speaking <laughs> guest. Um, however, to say that would sort of implies that people should prepare themselves for sort of, you know, uh, crazy grammar and... Um, um, yeah, they should, they should. <laughs> but abso- absolutely not, because um, yeah, your English is is yeah phenomenal in many ways. Um, but uh, you know, you see, you're a bit of a linguistic genius, aren't you? Because you are. Uh, that's how you. That's how your Italian is too. It, my Italian used to be, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's a completely. <laughs> unfortunately, maybe one day if we practice, or if I practice again, we could have this conversation in Italian. But that's a long way yeah, away now. Um, but yeah, okay. So yeah, you have a unique combination, don't you, um, with regards to your uh, your family? Well, yeah. My I can tell you about my background. Uh, if you ask, um, like this, I'm I'm half Spanish, half German. My mother is Spanish. Uh, actually, I was even born in Spain, but I was raised here in Germany, in a town called Trier, a small town in the west. Just a couple of thousand uh, inhabitants. I moved here 10 years ago, and I'm happy to to live in Berlin now. And yes, um, well, uh, what can I tell you more regarding uh, my background? Yeah, I start as you know. I studied law here, and uh, that was a bit. yeah, about the, the background of what we were, were going to talk about, uh, Corona and stuff. So I don't know. Uh, mm. you no, can. no, don't worry. Let's, 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 let's do it this way then. So, okay, Spanish and, and German. So, um, <laughs> I mean, don't, don't you, because that's quite an interesting mix, yeah, because you've got the sort of Southern European, the, that, that sort of hot-blooded, uh, passionate element in Spain. And then you've got the more sort of um, more sort of calculated and reserved element from the north, um, the more sort of northern, more or less uh, German side. So I mean, maybe yeah, yeah. But I mean, but you're very relaxed as an individual. So it would, is it possible to say that you've got this sort of Spanish looks, but the German personality? Would you say German is relaxed? How do the Germans that I <laughs> I know in, compa- in comparison to the, uh, uh, the, the the Italians that I know I, I would say much more relaxed than uh, yeah the, the southern yeah. states. <laughs> well, uh, I think there doesn't have to be a, a contradiction contradiction between uh, being relaxed and being passionate about things. Mm. And uh, I would say if you want uh, if you want to generalize uh, in a good way, let's say about the south of Europe, I would say there's uh, more passion uh, in certain things. Of course, there was some conversation, but yeah, I guess I'm a mixture. I'm a mixture between both mm. sides. Uh, the degree of how you belong to two cultures and are a mixture is something I think that you learn only with time. It's nothing you will, uh, as at least I can speak for me, nothing you will, you will feel immediately. It's something you you appreciate also when you when you grow up, let's say. And 
yeah, I think both sides have something really, really good. Uh, the German side and the Spanish side. And I try to pick on <laughs> the good sides if I can say so. But I don't know if I'm relaxed. I don't know. One can only, uh, one doesn't ever really know how he seems, uh, how he's perceived by others. Mm. Yeah, You're well, relaxed. I mean, you are definitely relaxed. <laughs> I have my moments. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, whenever I do generalize, and, and I try to keep that uh, particular habit to a minimum, but I, I tend to draw on uh, positives. So, yes, um, right. yeah, that's the way of a good generalizing that I was uh, talking about. Why not mm. to generalizing if it's good? You're talking about the nation, about people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I mean, obviously, every nation has uh, you know, its negative aspects, but you know, these are perhaps a bit more subjective um, than uh, some of the other more cultural traits, shall we say. But yeah. OK. All right. Um, and we met playing football, but not really. So because um, I uh, do you remember our first meeting? <laughs> well, I, if I remember right, I think it was I think it was eight years or something like that ago. Mm. Uh, as far as I remember, we may have yes, the first time we talked uh, to each other was on the bench, uh, watching from <laughs> yeah, from outside how some other people uh, played. Uh, so we were probably not regarded as uh, good enough to do. <laughs> to be playing in that amateur league uh, from the beginning. No, I'm joking, but uh, we, that's, I remember, and I even remember what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, it was just to, to set the, 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 the picture, as it were, to set the scene for people listening to this. So um, it, I think it was one of my first uh, league games for, for the club, uh, FF Friedenau. And so I, I was uh, warming the bench um, and we only had 12 players, including uh, some, some, somebody who may have been a goalkeeper in some past life. Um, so it was so, an, an, honor, an honor to be warming the bench. For, I'll tell you, I tell you, I, I'm, you know, looking back at the fact that we've struck such a good friendship as a result of that particular moment shared on the bench. But you weren't even there at the beginning because... You, Typically, uh, for, typical for you. Um, oh, you it, wanted to say typical for Spanish coming not, late, something like not, that, right? Not, not at all. Um, typical for you, you turned up about, was it 20 minutes yeah. after kickoff? Not at all. You wanted to relate to this. Yeah, yeah, sure. The Spanish <laughs> prejudice. You wanted to talk about good, good prejudices. Huh? I, can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe the accusation. All right. So anyway, and then you turned up and we, we just, we're like, oh, hi, how are you? And uh, who are you? And blah, blah, blah. And we, we spent the whole time talking about, um, yeah, conspiracies and politics and uh, while the rest of our team was yeah um yeah somehow managing to i can't remember if we even won or lost the game i think completely yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even important was it after that because we no. were so entertained in our conversation um yeah actually at that particular period my attention was really drawn to the these topics of uh, yeah politics conspiracies uh, if you want to call them like that yeah mm. they were very much on my mind maybe more than soccer although soccer has always been a topic but at that time yeah mm. we i remember i remember how we uh, actually you know you you do you do remember certain immediately uh 
let's say the first conversation with the person, the first impression you got from a person. And I, I felt immediately that we connected in that regard with regards to, yeah, to uh, let's say a certain interest in these uh, topics, maybe openness uh, for some, uh, yeah, also particular ways of uh, regarding the the past and so on. So that that's quite uh, that was remarkable to, mm. to see because it's not something you would actually yeah you were talking about about prejudices about uh, cultural traits mentalities you at, le- at least that mm, and it's not something you will you will find often uh, when you encounter a new person here in Germany mm. uh, uh, that you start talking about these particular topics immediately in this way. You know what I'm... Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. As uh, you and I were the only two people on the on the bench, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, straight yeah. straight away, we, you know, I think we started talking about these really deep subjects, and you know, the half time came and went. We were talking about conspiracies, maybe because we thought there was a conspiracy that led to us two foreigners being uh, on the bench and all the Germans playing or something like that. And and that is a funny statement because you are half German so you're considering yourself a foreigner that in itself is entertaining but I I seem to remember because my name is uh, foreign that's why I'm foreigner Uh, here uh, okay I see okay but I mean at half time when the coach came and okay coach player coach whatever team organizer um, was having his conversation I think we were like uh, continuing hours and he was like you know guys guys do you want to get involved or what so it was quite Ah, yeah you have a you have a really good memory I must say that that's really some remarkable. Yeah. Some events, some events, yeah. But um, <laughs> still, okay, all right. But anyway, you mentioned law earlier, um, and if I remember correctly, you were also quite involved around 2015, 2016 in um, uh, assisting refugees. Um, do, is is that uh, correct to say? Yes, that's that's correct to say. Yeah, you could say it. I mean, that I started the conversation uh, uh, re-mentioning law. Uh, I want to clarify it was not that I that identify myself with that, but uh, I just uh, didn't know how to start the conversation of introduce myself. <laughs> uh, um, yes, uh, during that time, yes, in 2015, the summer of 2015, when uh, when it started, when so many people started coming to Germany and so on, yeah, also to Berlin and Berlin being uh, already a, a city where so many cultures cross each other and you somehow are more, um, yeah, you're somehow more related to that and maybe also used to that. Yeah, that's how I got to know some people from that area from uh, the area of Syria, of course, uh, lots of Syrians. And in that time when I had, uh, let's say, lack of motivation regarding law studies, uh, that was a good good way to, to, to feel that there's something uh, where law is, yeah, can be a good instrument, let's say, or it's important at least. 
But you were also, I mean, very involved on a personal level. So you were involved in with a, you worked, I believe, with a um, a law company, um, a law firm, um, helping with some of the cases of these uh, refugees that had uh, you know, encountered your path. Uh, but you also took it upon yourself on a on a personal level to yeah, um, yeah much more the last than the first the first mm. i i worked together with a, a lawyer uh who then uh, started her uh, business um business so let's call it the, her her professional career in that field and i uh, i helped assisted in some ways but not too much it was more uh, on a personal level that i encountered uh, people from there uh, from from that area who who um of course all of them when they came here had some uh yeah some issues uh, that were closely connected to uh to law and to applications and to uh all this bureaucracy stuff and uh, more than that it was so that um the first persons that I got to know from Syria, uh, belonged to one family that my aunt, who is Spanish, had got to know in uh, in Greece whilst doing um, whilst volunteering there for two weeks in a camp, and you know, some of the family members had uh, been transferred, uh, let's call it like this, to Germany. And needed some. She she told me ah, this and that. Uh, he's come. Mohammed was his name. Is coming to Berlin. And uh, can you can you see him? Can you help him? Can he have your number? It started like this on a very personal level. And uh, yeah, this family particularly is a family um, whom I assisted in in these things. And especially uh, with regards to family reunion programs, because the family, the uh, majority of them had been in, uh, was at the time st- still in Greece. Uh, it was a long, uh, let's say, struggle is exaggerated, but a long process until they could come here in, what was it, 2016 or 17 I don't remember but it was a long process because Mohammed had come here in 2000 and no oh, sorry it was 2016 he came and his family came more than a year later mm-hmm. and all this this was just let's say the first uh the first step uh, to get to know not only uh people and and so far as uh as to help somebody or assist them in some way, but also you know, this first step towards this culture. And then uh, in 2016, I started learning Arabic. I went to university courses for that purpose and slowly started learning the language and through the language, the culture, of course, and got to know more and more people. You probably know that it's quite easy to make uh, acquaintances uh, with Arabic people, uh, once you're invited uh, to their uh, to dinner and so on, and that's yeah, that was the that was the dynamic. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll come to uh, the cultural element a little bit later because the, um, 
yeah, there, there are some some important and interesting events there which uh, you know, we can talk about. Um, but it, it does interest me this particular interest that you had in assisting um, you know, the refugees that had come over from uh, you know, the the war in Syria, um, and it's because it's still a very political issue um, you know the issue of refugees the issue of you know managing the the integration or failing to manage the integration mm-hmm. as perhaps seems to be the case in many countries including unfortunately uh, including Germany in some in some instances um, uh, but it's not only um, a European phenomenon um, you know as we've seen throughout the you know, the Trump presidency with regards to uh, the, the the Mexican um, and other South American immigrants that have come through uh, the children that have been separated from their parents the numbers that have uh, continued to grow um, there are any number of um, sort of flare-up zones around the world where you do have this this problem of how to handle immigration, and and you took it to mm. to your heart on a personal level. You wanted to do your bit. Why was mm. that? Where does that feeling come from? So your auntie is involved as well, but where, where was your mm. personal, uh, you know, interest in this issue? Well, I guess I should say that I didn't take on this subject as a, let's say, um, I, 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 I approached it just because it came uh, along. It, it was something, as I told you, the, my aunt contacted me and um, yeah, suggested that I might help uh, this particular family. And out of this interest, out of this personal connection, it it started. So it was not as if I uh, thought, okay, the refugee crisis, we're having a wave, as they called it, of uh, people coming here. Now I have to get involved. I have to do my stuff. And so on. this naturally uh, developed. Mm. So it was you, just... You could have said no. You could have said no, but you didn't. You yeah. you, you accepted the the challenge and you jumped into it. Yeah. So uh, I know your your character is also to sort of uh, reduce, as it were, the uh, the level of your participation in these things. But uh, that wasn't the case. You you accepted the challenge, um, mm-hmm. and, and you thrived uh, you know, in the relationships that you created. Yes, but um, yeah, you may. Mm, you may imagine maybe from, you know, because you know me that, uh, yeah, um, the structures of organizations and so on were not uh, was uh, were not something that particularly drew me. So I didn't get involved uh, or only got involved in a bit. And let's say Amnesty International is, uh, is, is an address in that regard. Um, I didn't. Uh, that wasn't my approach in the beginning. It was a personal approach, and the other things came came later. So uh, I, I saw I saw the use and the importance of yeah, organizations also, and for that matter, in this uh, immigration is- issues and in helping uh, people. Uh, only after knowing from personal experience that there was this need that there are persons who have. Uh, uh, who need this help once they come here and how important it is for society, for us as individuals, as far as we can and as far as our interest also goes um, to to get involved in that. Mm. 
so step by step uh i yeah i i, I took it on uh, also on a let's and that at that part also with the goal of uh, working maybe professionally in that field um and and start using um, law if you want as an instrument uh, uh also to help these mm. people i knew but it was mainly, as I repeat this, because uh, it was mainly from uh, from this pers- uh, personal um, experience, and I helped. So from this family, I got to know some other people, uh, and also in the let's call it in the cultural world here in Berlin, because once they so many people came here, also the uh, there was a big change uh, or a big enrichment. Uh, in terms of culture and music, and I have, I, I got to know another Iraqi friend who was uh, who is also has some artist, artistic uh, side. So I got to know him, and he was also refugee. So I started uh, helping him to, but it was not helping was not uh, you know the main focus, or it just came out of the friendship that I developed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> But you, you therefore have naturally led us to this other uh, experience that we, okay, you have had quite often, and I presume you continue to have, but I, I shared with you on that one occasion when I uh, I visited you at your home and in the old days when we could get together and so mm. on. Um, <laughs> and, and there were any number of uh, cultures represented there. So other than me, there was an, an Armenian girl who, she, what, what instrument did she play or was she a singer? I think she just watched. I don't, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, you're referring to that. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't know, but there were a couple of people from different backgrounds. I remember. Mm. There was. I think there was. You have a better memory than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there there was. I believe as was it a Serbian? There was. Uh, ah, a, yeah. A Kurd, yeah. I believe, who had ah, just that day so. arrived back from Turkey. Do you remember? And he'd had lots of problems coming back. Um, uh, that's the one that I was referring to, to uh, as Iraqi, because he's a Kurd from Iraq. Exactly. Uh, okay. Right. All right. Yes. Uh, All right. So there was um, an, an Italian, the Armenian girl, um, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember if there was somebody else who also turned up. But but then you also had this. Um, oh, there was a French girl there as well, um, and uh, everybody, almost everybody had an instrument i say almost because you know yours truly was excluded from the uh, (laughs) musical presentations um but it it was it was almost like uh, a a sort of a fusion contest or not a contest uh (laughs) a jam a fusion session because they just all uh yeah played their their music and sort of tried to fit it into the other instruments Mm. and there was some sort of vocal harmonizations going on as well it it was phenomenal (laughs) You're exaggerating, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, everybody contributed in some way with some cultural uh, um, element of theirs to, yeah, to the music that we're making at that time, yes. Um, yeah, these are friends uh, from Serbia, from, well, I had a co- Korean uh, flatmate, uh, yeah, it was always, my mother <laughs> used, used to joke and say, you have the United Nations in your uh, apartment, <laughs> Um, yeah, there's always been uh, step by step here during the last 10 years in Berlin, I've got to know a lot of people from different backgrounds and different countries and different Mm -hmm. cultures, Mm -hmm. including you. 
You're also indeed. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, Armenian, British, German, European. Yeah. Um, strange yeah. mixture. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I, I tried to, wherever possible. I applied the strangeness that is me. Um, okay, all right. So um, yeah, so we haven't actually met in over a year, I believe. So the last time I saw you was at this uh, event at your home. Um, right. And uh, right. yes, since then we haven't managed to meet. Obviously, you know, uh, the, the current uh, you know situation has also contributed to that fact. But um, it's yeah. What have you been doing in the last sort of 12 to 14 months? Oh well, yeah. The the year 2020 was definitely a very uh, busy and particular one because I had to do the uh, second state exam. Mm-hmm. I, say I want I wanted to do it um, uh, yes and finished this by what was it uh, yes, June uh, then I did the exam again to get a better better grades uh, and I passed the uh, written exams in December again so the uh, uh, the year 2020 was structured basically by this by my having to study hard for uh, the second state exam, which is quite demanding. And um, well, apart from that, I didn't have that much. It it coincided in a good way, let's say, uh, at least for me, with with a period that for everyone was a period of a certain isolation in the sense that uh, having having to prepare uh, yourself for exams like this always implies uh, isolation in some uh, degree and in, in that for that matter it was not nothing that's changed corona let's say didn't uh, change so much my my uh, my daily habits what i did in in this year would have been <laughs> isolated in any case mm. so yeah, yeah, but take obviously as as I was uh, talking with you about earlier. Um, you know, everybody has these these Corona stories and these the Corona perception and, and perspective and so on. Um, but, but what you what we sort of planned to talk about with regards to this um, also touches on the, the some of the political elements to it because I'm um, okay. My political views are, you know, in this case at least, very much sort of follow the medical rules, um, you know, act responsibly, mm. um, you know, and mm. sort of s- serve society by being um, responsible in your actions. Yeah. Mm. Um, but there is also this this sort of counter argument that um, you know you've presented in some way, which is to um, how much of these restrictions and the word you used was proportionality. Um, mm. But you know, would you like to sort of to talk about that a little mm. bit more, and, and then maybe we can you know, not necessarily mm. have an argument about it, but you know, let's mm. just see what yeah. different kinds of uh, you know focus exchange points arguments about it. Yes. Well, we'll give um, it a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, of course, uh, in all this time, apart from preparing for the exam, uh, which uh, doesn't necessarily imply uh, that part, but apart from that, of course, I, I looked uh, at all this, at all that has been happening in the last year and until now, from legal 
perspective and, and study it from from that point of view. And there's a lot going on, of course, as in every, let's call it, system of our society. If we want to call it uh, the system jurisprudence and, and law. And um, yeah, there has been a lot happening with regard uh, to how restrictions are uh, implemented, uh, how, how the state regards it as necessary to implement a certain degree of uh, uh, restrictions through legal instruments, of course. Um, I'm not sure if I will find in our conversation now the right legal terms in English because I'm not so familiar with that. But um, <laughs> maybe you can help me with that. Um, but the bottom line, the bottom line of this, I would say, is that yes, um, there has been a big discussion about how to implement and which degree of implementation is necessary. And since you were also referring to the political implications, is how how much influence um, parliaments should have, uh, particularly in in all this, and how much is left um, or transferred, how much authority is transferred to the executive, um, uh, and how much control can be exercised by, by, by the parliament and, and so on. So, um, yeah, we can take, we can jump into that maybe by something that is very um, um, actual, how do you say? Um, current. Very current, because actually today, new, mm, new measures, mm-hmm. let's call it, have uh, have been agreed upon. Uh, I haven't I haven't uh, follow, looked into this deeply. What this has been decided upon today, but the bottom line is always that uh, there are um, there are these uh, reunions between Merkel and the government, the federal government, and the uh, prime ministers of the regions, and uh, on the basis of uh, let's call it coordination, they coordinate which measures should be implemented and try. This is the goal, at least, uh, and especially of the federal government to um, harmonize all the rules in all of Germany. Um, And yes, because, yes, maybe to to give an idea, it's good to to, um, be aware that these restrictions and whatever rules are implemented in the field of in German, it's called the law of um, uh, prevention of dangers, uh, to mm. translate it in a literal way. Uh, this is a regional uh, competence, um, meaning that uh, basically the regions could decide not to decide what the, or not to follow the um, suggestions of the federal government and implement their own way. So this is on the basis of a political agreement, what they've done today in the probably... Uh, only virtual uh, reunion, mm-hmm. uh, and they say, "Okay, let's. Uh, this and this is the situation. We have been advised by uh, a list of um, scientists, uh, scientists at best who represent um, certain views 
and different views also, not the same. And actually, uh, yesterday I read an article uh, which particular scientists are, are, are the main actors now in this uh, in these recommendations to the in first place federal state, which then in these uh, reunions that take place every now and then, and this one, this particular one today has been uh, uh, was scheduled to happen on the January twenty fifth, was but was then today because of because they regarded uh, it as necessary that we should implement more rules and so on. Um, and yes, the the bottom line being that um, yes, this is this is uh, this is a political agreement that is now tra transferred and will be transferred now into um, into legal uh, legally binding rules. Uh, we were talking about this uh, the danger or when when discussing what we could talk about today or the danger. Uh, or the risk or the proba probability of a curfew, let's as the as the hardest of measures uh, mm. possible to think, uh, being implemented. So as it seems, they haven't done this. And uh, as you as you talked about, uh, you mentioned the, the word proportionality, um, which I personally would have regarded as uh, trespassing the line, going much too far in my view. Uh, from the perspective of um, uh, how measures, how um, change in behavior, the change in behavior that, that, that is needed now to tackle uh, the dangers implied with Corona um, should be implemented by the state. And this, this is a, a very, of course, it's a very complex and dif a difficult situation. Um, but I personally would have uh, thought about uh, curfew um, as, as being much way too far into restricting liberties. One has to uh, keep in mind that uh, in one or the other region, for instance, in Baden-Württemberg, uh, I don't know the English word for that, uh, you have a curfew starting at eight in the evening right now in the whole region. Mm. Um, so I don't know what your stand is on on this for instance on curfew um, i i would in this case and in all cases concerning um pandemics and medical emergencies concede the short-term decision making to uh the the, the medical specialists the experts mm -hmm. uh, scientists um um, and obviously there are sort of political elements involved as well. And I imagine the reason why a nationwide curfew was not agreed upon mm -hmm. was because it simply would not be um, uh, easily um, executable mm -hmm. because you, you would simply have um, a federal state then take the federal mm -hmm. government to the constitutional court to say this is against the constitution. You have no right to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to, to force our citizens to stay at home mm. yeah um and uh, so therefore it just simply would not have been feasible to to introduce this mm. uh, nationwide i think this is the this is a, the prag, pragma, pragmatic approach that mm. um mrs merkel has had to uh consider in her decision making mm. i i think she would genuinely have preferred to mm. um, go for a very hard lockdown in october mm. for maybe a month with curfews and with uh, you know sort of measured uh, trips outdoors 
thereby killing as much as was possible um, you know, the spread of the pandemic at the time. But politically, she couldn't do it. Mm. And my concern mm. is how many lives can we now lay at the feet of uh, political and economic consideration? Mm. Well, I would start by saying, well, there are two um, or more different ways of seeing this. And especially now, since you mentioned it, of analyzing why it could have been that uh, Merkel and the others um, did not decide for uh, a nationwide lockdown. There could be political, um, yeah, the, the, maybe the main, the main, the reason why they saw this not, not as not feasible, as you say, is that it could not be implemented. Mm, maybe they would have seen it as a proportion uh, met, um, measure in, in, in the face of, of the risk. But I would, I would start by discussing this point. Is it proportional? Is it proportional? Because... Um, Apart from the this 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 tactical uh, this more tactical reasoning by the state, can we do it or not? Um, the question should also be: Should we do it or not? And this uh, should we do it or not should not be left just to politicians, um, because okay, okay, we can we can give a certain trust, and we should also have a certain trust in them being uh, assessed in the right way by the specialists, by the medical, uh, by, the, by the scientists that have probably a better overview than general population. But we should also uh, think in first place of what are our, um, our individual approach, starting from us as individuals and our uh, social network, let's call it like this, should be what is the change in behavior we should uh, implement ourselves in order to tackle this and not only uh, watching how authority sees it not giving it uh, not not trusting it blindly this mm. is an important thing because the question of trust is is important in which way is it important on the one hand we need as a, as citizens we have to have a certain trust in the state because there will always uh, be the need also for certain um, at least at least as long as there as we uh, we are humans uh, and with all flaws and so on for the state to implement a certain degree of restrictions and to um, uh, to make sure that they are that they are respected that the, that the change in behavior we all need and this is something we, I think we should now agree upon and in this this uh, discussion that we do need uh, a certain change in behavior that there is a danger because there are some people who, de who deny it but we have to talk about it now at least uh, on the basis of this presumption uh, that it is necessary so a trust in the state uh, to implement the right measures um, but also a right to question the proportionality of, uh, of things and with regards to do you to see curfew, mm, yeah okay please yeah, go, sure. on. go on now with re regards to curfew just to uh finish by saying that now uh 
it is something that is, uh, of course, heavily restricting freedom of individuals. And from the perspective of epidemiology, epidemiology, you said? Epidemiology, yeah. Yeah. Um, Of course, you could easily argue that it is not necessary for the state to prohibit uh, something as uh, like going out to the streets and walking around. Uh, Because this implies no uh, inherent danger of infection unless you go inside, unless you gather out, even outside, but you would have to gather. So the the, the, the state, when uh, when deciding upon strong as stri- such a strong measure as a curfew, displays manifests a big distrust uh, uh, vis-a-vis the population because they say yes, okay, it's true that you. Uh, could go out and you this would not be any uh, this was, would not be a special danger of infection uh, implied in this but you know we cannot enforce this uh, uh, we cannot control that when you go out you will do something else you will go to visit your friends which is uh, what we don't like so our lack of being able to enforce this uh, this measure um, or, or this change in behavior forces us to have you all stay at home and closed. And this is a distrust that uh, distrust that the, the state manifests and that will create create and this is uh, the, the biggest danger um, that I see with uh, unproportional measures can create and will create a certain degree of distrust. Uh, by um, on the side of the population vis-a-vis the state, so you will have uh, some some degree of um, yeah on the one side, state thinks I cannot cannot trust my my own citizens. I have to enforce stronger, harder rules and so on. And the and the population, the individuals who are a bit critical with the state, as many are, and Germany is not. Uh, just this general population is not widely known for their being specifically uh, or especially critic. There are many groups, of course, and you hear them a lot in the media and so on. But um, this could this could cause. That's why I think. That's why I see it as important to um, to be able to question the proportionality. This would cause um, uh, yeah, a distrust. That is uh, for the political system in the long run can be a, a very bad consequence. Mm. And it's not, nece- it's not necessary in my in my view. That's the thing. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, you raised quite a quite a few issues. Obviously, they are important. Um, okay. The question of trust, I find, yeah. um, because you connect trust with. Um, the rule of law is essentially what it comes down to. So when you are talking about um, enforcing behavior upon people, we're talking about the rule of law. And mm. if it was if it was really possible for mm. governments to completely trust all of their citizens, there mm. would be no need for legal constitutions nor exactly. frameworks. There'd be no need for police. There'd be no need for lawyers. There'd be no need for courts nor any of these um, <laughs> instruments of government. Yes, in, uh, the, in the radical, in the radical way of seeing it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 
love being called the radical. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Um, on, on the other hand, um, you also mentioned the fact that um, is it the role of the state? And sometimes I believe people only see the situation through their own eyes. Um, and it, it is not my job nor your job, for example, to consider the situation of my neighbors or the other members of my community. It is my mm. job to see the situation through the eyes of um, my family uh, or my unit or, you know, mm. my flatmate and so on. Um, however, the role of government is, in my opinion, uh, yeah. to take into consideration in Germany's case, the 80 million perspectives mm -hmm. um, of all of those people and, and mm -hmm. to lay down whichever rules that the government, based upon the advice of experts, sees mm -hmm. fit to navigate its people through the current crisis mm -hmm. in the best way possible and, if possible, as speedily as possible. Mm -hmm. And I believe if you know, Mrs. Merkel, being the person that she is, being the, mm -hmm. the, the scientist that she is, being the, mm -hmm. um, uh, the patient, analytical, academic person that she is, I believe mm -hmm. she reached the conclusion quite early on in this uh, crisis that there's only one way to manage it. But she didn't have a free hand and she had to relinquish control uh, to other members of the government, other members of her party, because they were mm -hmm. demanding um, that such stringent measures were not followed. But I think mm -hmm. sometimes it is also the role of the state uh, mm -hmm. to take complete control um, and to look after people. But when I say take complete mm -hmm. control, I do not mean through military means, and I do not mean uh, by means yes, of restricting yes. movement completely. Yeah. But uh, this is a very interesting um, way of putting it uh, and comparing it uh, with military um, measures, let's call them, because curfew is something that is, uh, at least as I know it, something that I only know from the realm of military, of there being a danger, uh, um, of the kind of... Uh, yeah, the enemies are uh, arriving. We need this curfew to be implemented in order to uh, uh, achieve this and this. So this is military. Um, uh, this is a military term by itself, yeah. curfew. So yeah. it implies that but once you, mm, the thing is, once the state, as it was now, of uh, as you say, and I think too. Uh, uh, favored by people like Merkel or by at least by some other pro politicians who clearly expressed their view that a curfew should uh, would be right and would also be appropriate. Or I don't even know if they would uh, go so far as thinking about it uh, of being appropriate, uh, so, sorry, proportional in the sense they would regard it as uh, uh, in first place as necessary. And that's uh, all uh, all uh, we need to know about. Some some politicians have. Uh, seem to think in this way, um, but the 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 question of of proportionality is something that is very important uh, 
um, from my perspective to include in, in this discussion, because your view, um, the way you put, you just put the state was also an idealistic one. So you, you, you part from the idea that the state has the capacity uh, and the will, which you, uh, which you take as a, as a, as a given to always represent the whole of society uh, and the whole of uh, the whole bunch of 80 million people that live in this call it let's call it administrative unit because that's what it is also yeah and this has many flaws this way of view, viewing uh, the state the federal state in this uh, in the, for this matter as such an idealistic uh, actor it might be that uh, the majority of them have this uh, will that you were um, naturally assuming. But the question is, without, without, without um, entering in interaction and communication in, into, um, yeah, into interaction with the white, uh, white population, with a lot of actors who otherwise would not have their voices heard, you cannot... Uh, in, implement uh, something that is proportional if proportionality is something proportionality in the sense that we have to balance out not only the consequences that w we would face if the virus were to uh, spread in an uncontrolled way which is of course what we all want to prevent but also the consequences that go hand in hand with the degree of measures of restrictions being too high if there's a too high and there is a too high i think this is uh this is this this we should also take into um, take as a premise because of course some things would go too far i can tell you from other countries uh that there have been restrictions that were much harder that would have never been accepted in germany let's talk about china about how they were forced to just stay at home and control through uh, apps and uh, having to uh, show their faces to some government officials and so on. These are unproportional measures, I think, uh, from the perspective of a liberal democrat. And from that perspective, proportionality is important so far as it is it an expression, uh, at least the thrive to find a proportional degree of measures is an expression of trying to balance out all the consequences. Is but you you take the Chinese example and yeah. uh, and and then accuse me of radicalism. But no, okay, we'll we'll address, we'll address that in a different sense. I can tell you other other examples, but you're, you're right. I took okay. the extreme example. Yes. Okay. Yes. But if we if we look at, for example, uh, a successful democracy in South mm. Korea um, and the South Korean government's approach, which was quite strict, because the population demanded that level of severity um, and many of us uh, in, in Europe for example would never have been able to accept that readily and I, I stress the word readily we, we would need to have been convinced we would need the arguments to have been laid down um, very clearly uh, for us to have been on board um, uh, and supportive of such a policy that indeed uh, in South Korea um, was implemented, but they were successful. 
Yeah. And the one thing that I, mm-hmm. I would stress, I, I completely accept a lot of the things that you say. It's it's very difficult to introduce a, a blanket policy to cover so many different um, areas and different interests and different people. Of course, yeah, it's it's not a simple uh, policy or, or situation in which you can. Especially, um, let me let me just uh, put this uh, in between. Especially mm-hmm. as as bigger as the what I called administrative unit. Uh, gets I, I say administrative unit because um, it is a complex system of regulation and and uh, political um, agreements then then transferred into regulations so I call it uh, administrative unit and the bigger this one gets the the harder it will be become for the state uh, in the idealistic sense as you um, uh, as you defined it um, and, and as, as I'm ready to believe most of state officials and, and persons involved uh, would like to do, uh, would like to uh, act, but it becomes more and more difficult to, uh, to, to find what is proportional. Because mm-hmm. what is proportional uh, has to take into account so many, uh, so many different consequences of the measures. And, uh, and I, we can, just to making for making things easy without um, without trying trying not to put in too many radical examples. Let's talk about yeah what what are the consequences for uh, persons who lose their jobs or persons uh, who are locked down and have psychological issues uh, uh, for that matter. What are do you know there are so many multiple multiple um, consequences. That maybe the state, in the state, you should imagine, you should think about, I think, the the the, the very reunion that took place today, okay, uh, this and virtually, so all in in front of a of a computer, uh, is this setting is the setting even uh, appropriate or or capable? of of um, taking into account all this. Of course, the pr- process leading up to this reunion, uh, which well, was so to just coordinate. To say, yeah. When you say reunion, people should understand meeting. Yeah, not everybody. Yes, reunion why, means how, something slightly different in English. Yes, yes, it's yeah. some specific physical encounter. You're, yeah, that's, that you should always correct me if I'm using the wrong uh, language words. Exactly, this is what I mean, the meeting. So uh, leading up to the meeting, of course, uh, there have been voices have been able to articulate different ways, uh, different realms of society. Uh, and I read from the list yesterday. Okay, the list of the the, the major experts that were that the federal government uh, was uh, was has been listening to or has been hearing their uh, their opinions in the last days and. Uh, there are, and this is a this is a very good achievement of our democracies that that these voices have been heard. There was not only the the faces that we all know, like uh, the president of the Robert Koch Institute, the Institute for um, how you call it in uh, in English, you know which institute. Uh, uh, they, they, uh, they, they're doing in Germany what the John Hopkins Institute is doing in the USA. Essentially, exactly. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's managing the, uh, the the development progress calculation and the measures of um, you know of during the pandemic. 
Exactly. And let's call it the main scientific authority and with right, uh, rightly so also, uh, a voice to be heard in first place. But not only they uh, were heard also. Uh, I, what One thing that uh, what I found interesting and good was that the psych, um, a professor of uh, psychology uh, was heard, who is uh, responsible now in the face of uh, in all this period of Corona to uh, for assessing, let's say, um, how how people how the population um, reacts is ready to accept measures. That's, so um, she has a view, a good view of, and, and she. Uh, I'm 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 quite sure Merkel and the others in there in what you uh, when you when you introduced this uh, described as the let's say tactical uh, reasoning. Oh, we cannot implement this because the 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 population is not would not be willing on the one hand, or we cannot enforce it and so on. So this person, this professor of psychology, is someone who is hurt. And at best, not only in the sense that she would uh, try to uh, tr try to help the the government in f from the uh, or go there and try to help the government um, with the goal of uh, um, being able to 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 give an opinion as to as to hey, what is the hardest level of measure of degree of the restrictions that we can implement without there being a, a uproar in the population without being totally uh, uh, yeah, rejected by the population. But that in, in, and I think people like this also do it in our democracy and don't get me wrong. I think it's uh, this process is uh, as it has been done is, uh, is quite quite ahead of many other systems, definitely, <laughs> China, definitely, or other not so radical examples, and, and that, she, that she was ready also to concede a certain, um, yeah, uh, to, to have in her view also the perspective of, uh, of psychological um, consequences, negative consequences that, for instance, a curfew would have, for instance, uh, other measures should have. As well as as an expert for economics uh, and uh, an expert for uh, I don't know for uh, all these experts that that are being heard, they put in their view. But I what I'm saying this is the bottom line of what I'm saying. It is still a lack of uh, perspectives involved. Why? Because you have such a big administrative unit as 80 million. And what I what I question. And this is a radical point of view, <laughs> uh, for sure, is that it is necessary as a given, as something that will always be so and so on, that we do need a certain level of uh, uh, implementation and enforcement by the state, as if it was a natural given. I Maybe I, I, uh, I described this uh, leading up to our conversation today uh, with some examples which I see of, of behavior of, of people that I see in my uh, personal life, where I would say, okay, you're respecting what the state is uh, demanding as a minimum, but don't you think that this and this behavior, like going to the markets 
here I have a market right next to the house. Two days ago, I saw too many people, in my view, gathered with all their masks and so on. Put, but as if they would naturally have to, uh, uh, to yes, orient their behavior uh, on the line of what the state imposes instead of thinking what is the responsible thing to do right now. What is uh, what is the change in behavior I I should be um, trying to implement? I think this is an important point that you're making because um, it, it also uh, earlier on in this uh, this little segment where you talked about uh, you sort of responded to to what I said uh, quite early on you made a point which I wanted to come back upon but of course it's it's, it's correct that we don't talk over one another um, but you know we each have an individual responsibility to contribute and you, the question that you raise there is I believe the exact reason why. Uh, the state has felt it necessary at this point to intervene. Mm -hmm. So yes. uh, we've had we've had a, a, almost a year of coronavirus uh, restrictions in in Europe. Um, during that time, if the regional governments, the individual federal states, the individual people were capable of dealing with the situation successfully without mm -hmm. having uh, allowing for uh, the spread of um, of this disease then they would not have had to intervene at all. The fact that we have reached this stage, the fact that the, the, the central government, the federal government um, is or has made these decisions and has extended uh, the lockdown further would suggest to me that they felt there was no other way of doing it. Um, I, 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 still hope, I hope definitely that this is the, the way they see it, that they regard it as necessary. Yes. And I should also point out that what you're saying um, is, is is correct. There are many voices that remain unheard, um, but it's not only the the economic issue. And it's, for some reason, the, the economic drum has been banged uh, very loudly and frequently. Um, the psychological <laughs> element that you allude to, however, um, only... You know, has some some quiet voices and people tend um, they haven't really spoken too vociferously about this and that there are mm -hmm. studies which indicate that the psychological effect on not only people but individuals mm -hmm. children essentially um, mm -hmm. yeah, um, women especially when they are in perhaps abusive domestic situations you know mm -hmm. these are the real victims of uh, exactly, the, the, yeah. this lockdown. Um, and, you know, if everyone is a victim or potential victim of the pandemic, uh, these others are you know, the, the abused women, the children, the, those suffering from psychological issues, yeah. those who but by some natural phenomenon um, or accident uh, already suffer from a lack of maneuverability or c capacity to move. You know, these people's lives are, are further damaged uh, and further made challenging. You know, they indeed uh, are, the, are the victims of the lockdown. And exactly of the, of the of the restrictions also. Absolutely. A, yeah. Mm. yeah. And th these are the people who really would require, in my opinion, further mm. assistance uh, from the government or at least from mm. uh, the communities in which they reside. Uh, and, and it is this which I would like to see further implemented. Uh, community yeah. management, community management at a social level yes. that we can all see. Exactly. And this relates to what I've been referring to as the problem of the uh, administrative unit uh, being too too big. Because um, 
there's there's one there's one thing that let's let's call let's assume for a moment that this this level of restrictions as the state sees it uh, necessary is really necessary. Let's assume it. Then uh, then of course um, the demands articulated. Uh, by uh, by the population and uh, and and um, in favor of of those you've just mentioned who suffer from the direct consequences of the measures, th- then it should the demand should be formulated in this way: state, okay, I agree, you should. Uh, this is the degree of uh, the restrictions that is necessarily, unfortunately, but at least provide um, provide this the the necessary um, measures. And I mean immediate measures uh, in order to counter this. So the the from, from a critical perspective, you could say it is hardly possible to coordinate from the state, even at its best will, all those consequences, and especially things that are under the radar uh, in the sense that these psychological, these domestic violence, the, uh, this is just a radical example, okay, let's call it domestic problems, be them uh, psychological in the uh, individual uh, sense or uh, be them uh, problems that arise from, yeah, too much, uh, too, too many people on, on one in one place that, uh, yeah, and, and confrontations and, and all these problems. This is something that he would have to tackle immediately. And, okay, that was the assumption now that we made, okay, the level of, of restrictions is is necessary. Then the demand would have to be formulated in this. The lack of the able, the, the, the state, uh, the state's capacity to to uh, act accordingly to the demands uh, is already in itself something that has to be taken into account when when finding the right right way of uh, the right degree of proportionality, because as as we agree, if we do that, uh, the state cannot provide this immediate help for all these people uh, in need um, of it, then then it becomes. A question of whether, in first place, the state should should really regard it as necessary, or, or if he has made a, a wrong balancing out of uh, in first place when he reaches uh, uh, the point and says this is proportional or not. And and there's one other point to this that in the in the period leading up to the decision on what is proportional and in this dynamic. Uh, in this dynamic of a pandemic, we have to discuss it, of course, on a weekly, if not daily uh, basis, what is necessary right now. And maybe, and we should also try to differentiate a bit from region to region, right, Uh, in terms of the virus spreading faster here and less fast uh, here. And in the phase, in the period leading up to uh, to this decision, which I'm repeat is done is coordinated at least in in order to harmonize it for the whole country in that period all these voices all these uh, all this was tri- what should be taken into account when when thinking about proportionality of measures cannot be heard not because and it is not because they uh, politicians just don't want to hear it's too much or so on they cannot be heard by the structure of uh, the the society itself and the 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 wide range of 
uh, of, of, of persons that the state is trying to uh, make a responsible decision for. I don't know if I've made myself clear with this point. I think you have. I think you've uh, you, you, you've definitely maintained a, a, a very uh, specific, uh, I think, line here with regards to the the, you know, the opinion that you uh, present. So that's fair enough. Um, yeah, we don't have too much uh, time left, unfortunately. We uh, we really wanted to discuss some of the other you know, items on the list. However, I do have a feeling that. Um, um, yeah, we we're gonna have to meet again, Alvaro, on hmm. uh, in this particular uh, sort of podcast yeah, style episodal issue because I, I really would like to uh, clash horns with you again. Um, <laughs> it's it's always nice to be able to argue with somebody, have a completely, in some ways, uh, slightly different opinion at least. They're also completely different but, in some but, other ways. But yes, let me just let me just yes. uh, in order to not give a wrong view. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've, I've expressed the critical view now and I've uh, emphasized this, but I've also tried to uh, make clear that I do regard our system and the way decisions are made as quite ahead of many others. And uh, China is only one example, one blatant example. We can talk, we could mention so many. And I do not generally criticize uh, that by by in ways of in terms of uh, tendency in terms of um, uh, the state itself and I do not question that there has to be a certain uh, level of restriction. What I uh, what I question is something more deeper in the sense that we should not the the every individual should be able to articulate their criticism and try. And um, it it should be it sh- it should always have um, should be held in mind that uh, that the state of this size uh, will not will will not will by will naturally not be able to and that and this is what uh, what I, what in fact and we didn't even reach what I really uh, <laughs> wanted to say okay because my criticism in in this. Without going further, that's why we need a second conversation, would remain uh, not constructive. But I do think this may be just an outlook, if you want, for further uh, conversation. I do think that it is possible among human beings, among uh, societies, and uh, societies and our social networks, to coordinate in another way, in a responsible way, talking as we do now, talking with a, a lot of, of people, talking also maybe if you see something that it's not not what you think our behavior should be, trying to able uh, or being able to tackle this without being getting too personal in it uh, on a more individual level and to, to try to bring about a change in behavior, the change in behavior that we need. I think it's I think it's possible, and I just want to express that I do not think that it should be perpetuated to think that for that we always need the state. I think we should try to um, coordinate and communicate be- uh, better, and that's why I that's why, <laughs> and I'll finish by saying this: uh, I like this this format of this um, this this uh, this podcast you started because it's a way of discussing these things in a in a in-depth wet uh, matter, if you uh, if if, I, uh, if we try at least, um, 
among among because we are no no we have no exposed role we have no uh, responsibility and uh, and I think this and many other of these examples should be taken further. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and um, I think we will also uh, discuss similar questions of um, sort of uh, leadership, management, governance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, systems of law, uh, administrative units, and so on, um, in, in also different uh, issues coming forward. So, as in, I, I, I wouldn't restrict our future episodes to one because I think we've got many topics to discuss. But uh, mm. Alvaro, um, yeah, grazie mille. Thank you very much, mm. my friend, for um, yeah, your time, uh, your your impassioned argument. Mm. Uh, and also the fact that, as ever, you never get angry when I disagree with you. And I think that's really cool, too. <laughs> You're welcome. It was a pleasure. And I hope to to have this occasion again. Absolutely. All right. Take care and uh, speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Ciao.